Brian has been, Pastor Brian has been talking about, I should ask you, does anybody know? What book are we in? Hmm. Who said that? Good. Somebody knew. Yes. I'll tell him. One person knew where we're at. <laughs> no, he's been, uh, he's been in a, a series on James, which I've been really excited about. I've been really enjoying. James is practical. James is a book that really takes our faith and gives feet to it, puts it on the ground, and it's how we live it out. It's easy to take James and, and dismiss the motives behind what we're doing and just do what it says, but forget the motives. So today we're going to dive into what that looks like and how he's challenging us. In James, if you want to nerd out about it a little bit, you can, you can take the first book of James and read through it, and it's foreshadowing everything he's going to talk about. There's like, I can't remember, like six different topics that flow through it. And he introduces all of them right up front. And then as he goes through it, he, he expands on them a little bit. The one that, uh, when Pastor Brian and I were talking about this series, the one that really jumped out at me comes out of James chapter 2. And it says this, Consider it pure joy. How many say, I would enjoy some pure joy in my life? Yeah? Okay, I'll talk to this side then, because they're the only ones. Just kidding. Um, Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I, I, that sounds like something I would love in my life, okay? But it sounds like something that's very challenging. So this morning, it's, this is not a self-help discussion. This is a, dis, a discussion on the gospel, but how that plays out in our lives. So I was really, I, sh- I should have known better, but I had a lot of the message ready and done, but I was like, I don't know how to introduce this. I need like a good introduction. And then yesterday, uh, many, some, some of you in here were with us that we had a three-on-three basketball tournament. And I was, it, it hit me really hard that I am officially a sports parent in the worst possible way. Like, not even like a good one, because... My lack of understanding and my ignorance does not get in the way of my yelling out random things that are not helpful in any way, shape, or form. Even as a coach, we needed soccer coaches, and I played soccer in kindergarten, so that qualified me. Um, but I, we were coaching. Andre is Andre here this morning? I didn't see him. We were coaching, and uh, there's a guy in our town that is actually a really good coach and knows a lot, and he just happened to be on the sidelines with us, and I'd yell things like, Da da da, and he'd be like, "Nope, don't do." That. I mean, no, no. What do they do? Do that. Go to do. You over. He's like, "Nope, that's not." Oh, I, I mean, I was like, "I don't even know what to do." But it doesn't get in the way of my enthusiasm. And what I found, the things that we're going to talk about today, is it comes out often in negative ways, like confession. I've trash talked twelve-year-olds in my mind. Because, they're, because of these things, right? Am I the only one, please, somebody? Somebody, okay, good, good. Okay, we'll have a meeting afterwards and we can. But what I loved about thinking about these things is, man, we're gonna get into James chapter four and he challenges on this idea of what it looks like to find joy 
And this might be a silly illustration. But when we expand this to our lives, it has power in a lot of ways. So let's just jump into this. James 4, I'm going to read to start here, James 4, 1 through something. I don't remember where I stopped. But it goes like this. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the evil desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? And anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely? But he gives us more grace. And that is why scripture says God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Jump down to verse 11. Brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? What causes fights and quarrels among you? The first thing we want to talk about, possibly you can relate to, in life, we face drama. Yeah? No, none of us? Okay. We have drama. James is talking to a group of um, what we, best, we would call Messianic Jews. They were Jews. They believed this Jesus, and now they're Christians, right? When he says fights and quarrels, what causes fights and quarrels among you? I got kind of curious and looked into that. He's saying two things. Fights. These people were actively fighting against the outside world. It happened to be Rome actively fighting against him with with deep hatred, deep-seated hatred, fighting them, opposing them at every cost. They also had quarrels. So not only were they fighting outwardly, but they were fighting inwardly among the church, among the body. That sounds a little familiar. Actively opposing the outside, but deeply divided inside over silly things. I actually looked up <laughs> today's church and I said, things that divide churches. These are funny, so laugh, don't cry. There was actually a church that divided over what type of green bean the church should serve. There was another church that divided because they moved from Folger's Coffee to Starbucks. Whoo! One church divided because they said it should be wrong to serve deviled eggs. And that is a true story. <laughs> These are funny. I don't even know. There was a big church argument, which we're going to have our, our uh, board or congregational meeting next week. Clint, this is all you, man. A church argument over a budget that was 10 cents off. It took four hours to settle until somebody just donated a dime. (laughs) 
A dispute whether you could use cran grape juice or if it had to be pure grape juice in communion. What causes fights and quarrels among you? What I found in this is oftentimes we struggle with drama in our lives. Not so much because of a good reason, but it's because we struggle with this little thing called pride. Anybody heard of this before? We struggle with pride. We struggle with thinking that we deserve something. Actually, I'm going to write that word up there too. That's a good one. We think we deserve things. Now, it's interesting that the word deserve really only fits into the gospel in one way, and it doesn't work in our favor, right? We don't deserve the gospel, but Jesus gives it freely. We do struggle with this idea of pride because we think we deserve to be seen in a certain way, or we think we deserve an apology, or we deserve forgiveness, or we deserve a reputation, or we deserve whatever it is. And because of that, we have this drama in our lives. And I think all of us could say, yeah, maybe, if we're being honest. The problem with pride, though, is when we teach on pride, if I say, we're going to talk about pride, in your head, you're thinking of somebody that's probably in this room And that somebody is probably thinking of you, but we don't, we're not self-reflective. Like, let me even challenge you with this idea. I'm I'm jumping way ahead in my notes, so I'm going to get lost. But even offense, if we're offended, I know this is hard, but really, if you're offended, that comes back to pride. I mean, if you really take an honest look at the scriptures, even being offended for the right, about the right things, I just don't find that response in the scriptures as biblical. That's a challenging thought. As Christians, we should be the least offended people. Look at Paul and Silas when they're thrown into jail. If anybody had a reason to be offended, it's them. Okay, for doing good things. They got thrown in jail for no reason. They got put in the worst part of jail. But what was their response? It was worship. And we're going to talk about how they got there. But that's a challenging thing. That's a challenging idea. Before you get too mad at me, let's go to the next thing. Okay. What's the other thing that, that Paul or that James is addressing in this? If you look at verse 13 through 17, it says this. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, We will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag, and all such boasting is evil. Among you, then, who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it? Sins. Not only do we struggle with drama in our lives, maybe it's just me, 
but we seem to struggle with stress. Now remember, we're, we're looking at this idea, consider it pure joy when you face trials. I'm not necessarily saying that stress and drama are a sinful thing. What I am saying is if we want to find pure joy and find, I think it's more given by God, but if, we're, if that's our goal, he's saying, hey, why don't we look at some of these things? Stress, what is causing stress? Paul or James is directly confronting this idea of control. He's saying, hey, you guys plan these big year-long adventures where you're going to go, you're going to make X amount of money selling these things, and then you're going to come back. And he says, you do all this thinking you have control. Is it wrong to make plans? No. Is it wrong to have a savings account? No. Is it wrong to plan for the future? No. If our motive is understanding that we are not in control. We get so stressed out about things that really aren't ours to stress about. I mean, it says literally we're a vanishing vapor. Does that mean we're unimportant? Absolutely not. But what it means is God is in control. He is the one that's in control of everything. And it's a tough deal when you're struggling with stuff. It's a tough deal when you're finding yourself in a place where you don't have this and you're trying to reach for it. I'm not saying it's easy. But he says, consider it pure joy when you face these trials. And he says, why do we go about doing all these different things, striving for all this different stuff that quite frankly is God's to control? So when we look at this idea of drama and stress, I think it's safe to say that the message that James is preaching to this church is pretty relevant to the lives we live right now. We're busy, right? We're pulled in a lot of directions. We're trying to accomplish a lot of things. We're trying, saying, I want this, I need this, I, I want to have this. And it's not that Jesus is against us, but he's saying, just trust me in the midst of all this. Trust me. Make me a priority. Right? So that's the bad news. We could stop there and then (laughs) have fun. Go with that. Stress and drama all day long. It'll be good. But let's look at what the antidote to these things are. If you, I purposely skipped over a little chunk in James here. James chapter 4, verse 7. After he says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, he says this, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Part of that is very confusing, isn't it? Change your laughter to mourning and your grieve, mourn, and wail. He's not saying that as a believer in Jesus, you need to live a depressed life. 
But he is saying that you need to anchor yourselves in the right place. These people had it all figured out. They were just, we've got it all figured out. He's saying, no, you don't. You should grieve for the things that are appropriate to grieve about. Don't grieve because you didn't make money. Grieve because you're far from the Lord. Don't laugh because you have it all figured out. Cry because you want to know God's plan for you. Does that make sense? And then take joy in that. He's not against joy. He's just about finding it in the right places. So you look at these things and you go, okay, so what is the antidote? Let's say that this line right here is joy, right? And let's say our goal Every time we're stressed, we fly way up here and lose control. And every time we're drama, we are just depressed and down here. And our, our goal is not to eliminate these things, but it's, you could say joy is finding consistency. So it's not up and down, but it's, it's not a roller coaster. Finding the joy of the Lord is finding consistency in life because you're anchored in the right places, the things that are steady. I was fly fishing with my dad and uh, he was out in the water just fishing, enjoying life and right in front of him he didn't realize this there was about a five foot drop and he just took one step and he was like gone and down. That's scary, right? Do we feel like that in life sometimes? Things are good and then all of a sudden we're like whoa, way down and way up. So how do we find consistency? If pride is what takes you down here. What do you think takes you up here? Humility, right? And humility is not false pride. Humility is not groveling. Humility is not going, oh, I'm terrible. I'm a horrible person. I don't deserve your love. If my kids came to me like that, I would be a little weirded out, right? If my kids were like, I was like, good night, kids. And they're like, You're, we're not worthy to be your kids. I'm like, okay, like, go to bed. That's weird. Like, don't say that. Like, groveling is not pride. Groveling is the opposite of pride. That still is pride. It's just the other side of the coin. When we say humility, we mean confidence in who you are in Jesus. Confidence in who you are as a child of God. And that's all that matters. When I said offenses are not a Christian response, possibly, I don't want to put my foot on that all the way, but mostly, that's because if we're offended, it might be a challenge to our motives. Why am I offended? Is it, am I offended because of me? I don't want to be seen that way. I don't want to be looked at that way. Because in the Bible, God, God handles himself pretty well. Jesus handles himself pretty well. And our response needs to just be worship and confidence in Jesus. So if we find we're in this drama-filled life, you might want to take a look at, man, am I prideful? We all have it. Is that a struggle? God, help me to be more humble. Help me submit to you and find my identity as your child only in you. In uh, 1 Corinthians, there's this great yeah, there's this great verse where Paul talks about 
Man, if I'm to boast about anything, let it be the Lord. I don't want to boast about me. Whether we're doing that passively or passive-aggressively or aggressively, I don't know. But I just want to boast in you, Lord, and it's not me. Right? So if, if our evil desires are thinking we deserve, let's submit that to God. And then this stress, right? We're trying to control everything. We're trying to figure out what life is. And when it gets a little bumpy, we freak out. and We sometimes even blame God for things that are really hard. We need to learn how to trust. Trust is the opposite of control, right? Proverbs says, Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. He will make your path straight. Don't lean on your control. Don't lean on what you think is right. Don't lean on your plans. But in all your ways, meaning everything, sickness, health, prosperity, whatever it is, trust him. He is for you, not against you. That was one of the songs we sang this morning. If you believe that he is for you, His track records show he is more for us than we would ever be able to imagine. The gospel shows he is for us when we don't deserve him. So the deeper that we can believe this, the more we find consistency. The deeper that we can believe these things that we say, the more we find consistency. He says, consider it pure joy when you face trials. Because at first we might be way up, way down because we're struggling and then we're like, man, it doesn't work. And he's saying, trust me. Or we're saying, oh, these people, they just, I deserve better. And he's saying, no, humble yourself. Let your opinion be in me, not in them. Let your trust be in me, not in your circumstances. And what I find is interesting, and, and I'm not at all pointing fingers because I think all of us have done this. But oftentimes, we allow our circumstances to dictate how good or bad God is. I'm angry at God because I'm having trouble with my family, or I'm angry at God because this, I'm angry, or I'm, I'm, I, I don't trust God because my life's out of control, da-da-da-da-da. The other side to look at it is to go, you know, I know how good God is. So I'm going to be okay in my circumstances because of his goodness. My circumstances don't tell me how good God is. God's goodness tells me how my circumstances are. I know a lot of people that have gone through really hard things and their joy is evident. And I always think, man, I want to be that. I want to be that one that's been rocked. I can be really honest with you and say, I haven't had very many things in my life that are huge. A few I've learned, I've grown. It's part of life. But I've seen people rocked with harder things than I've ever been through. And they come through it just solid. And I don't think that's what they do. I think that's what God does in them. And then I look at me and go, why... Why do I get so worked up at a soccer game? 
Who cares, right? I mean, I do, but I shouldn't. It's fun, but my identity isn't in that. What a silly example, right? Where I'm trying to like, oh, I don't want to look bad, or I don't want my kid to look bad, or whatever. Or, oh, I got we want to, you got to, I mean, take that to life and beyond. Paul's saying, consider it with pure joy when you face trials because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance and perseverance must finish its work so you can be mature and complete. I'm not a, I'm not a finished work, but I'm an in progress, yeah? I really like um, one of my favorite passages that I've been kind of thinking about and praying about lately is is this one that talks about this peace that passes understanding. Have you guys, we, we often pray for it. God, give me that peace that doesn't make sense in my trials, in my circumstances, in my difficulties. I want that peace that doesn't make sense. We, we want it, but we don't look ahead of that passage. There's three things that, if you will, are a recipe for, for that. And it says this, rejoice in all things. I'll say it again, rejoice. Rejoice in everything you do. Good, bad, ugly, rejoice in it. God's good. If you're doing well, rejoice. If you're not doing well, rejoice. If you're really frustrated and angry, rejoice. If you're offended, rejoice. If you're, never mind, I'm not gonna say a political thing. Darn, okay, rejoice in everything, okay? The other thing it says is let your gentleness be known because God is near. So while you're rejoicing, you should have this gentleness about you because you know God is taking care of it. You don't come out swinging. We don't come out angry. We don't come out looking for revenge. As believers in Jesus, if we are rejoicing in all things, we should have a gentleness to us. Then it says, take everything to the Lord. Everything, take it to the Lord. It says, when you do those and then... That peace, it just doesn't make sense. I really, uh, I, I kind of stumbled on this, but it, it really kind of made me rethink about this idea. If you actually look in Romans chapter 12, verse 9 through 21, it sort of gives us the flip side of what James is talking about. James is saying, why are you fighting and quarreling? Why are your motives wrong? Why are you hating each other and slandering? Why are you planning out the future and not trusting God? In the letter to Rome, we find this. And this is what we can lay into. This, this is, I believe, is where we find that joy. It says this, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Be devoted. Honor. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. You want to have less drama in your life? Make this your, your prayer. Man, be joyful, be patient, pray, share with God's people. Bless those who persecute you. That's that offense thing. Bless them, God. And not like we do as Christians, like, oh, bless you. Uh, right? No, bless them. 
Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. That word harmony as a musical thing is kind of funny because harmony literally means different. You can't have harmony if we're all on the same note. You can only have harmony if there's differences. We have differences. Whether they're from a theological standpoint or a life standpoint or whatever, we're different. Live in harmony. Let that be a beautiful thing, right? Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. And then it moves up to this control thing. Don't repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friend but leave room for God's anger. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. So saith the Lord. Consider it pure joy when you face trials because you know that you're going through trials is going to increase your faith if we submit to God. Amen? It will increase your faith if you submit to him. Your problems are his problems. He's got him. He's for you. He's not against you. Here's what I want to do just for a second. If we could bow our heads. Um, I know that these are things that we throw around lightly, but when we're in the midst of them, they're painful. They're hard. So I I'm not saying any of this lightly. But what I would challenge you to do is, is to lean into the gospel that God's got a plan for you. He died for you. He's working in you. Can you just take time right now just to take those things to the Lord, to rejoice in all things, and just to ask him to work to help you be humble and trusting and submit and find that joy? And then I'll pray in a minute. Lord, I don't want to take lightly that life is hard. I don't want to take lightly that we are all going through different things and it's not a competition. But Lord, you have a plan for everything. You have a plan for us. Lord, I ask for your hand to be upon these stresses and this drama, whatever it is in life that is keeping us from finding that joy in you. Help us to trust and submit to you. Lord, I pray for healing. I pray for restored relationships, Lord. I pray for, for good plans that are from you and for you. 
But Lord, sometimes that's, that's a hard place to get. So we put it in your hands. We, we ask for your work. We love you. We trust you. We thank you for the gospel. We pray all this in your name. Amen? Amen.